Hey guys, before we get into the episode, it blows my mind that we're launching another podcast. And this time, I actually want to feature you guys as a guest. Now, if you're a six-figure entrepreneur who has your own podcast and you listen to the show, I actually want to interview you on our brand new podcast, which is called Six Figure Podcast Rebels. You just need to go to www.top100interview.com and you can apply to get featured. All right, guys, back to the show. When I actually took the leap of faith and quit, I opened up the space where I could actually just focus on the agency. Um, and there were bumps in the road. Uh, there were campaigns that failed. Have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror and thought, wow, I really thought I'd be further ahead by now? If so, you are not alone. I've spent the last two years traveling the globe looking for the answers. The problem is, it's fear of failure that was holding me and so many of you back. I realized that no one was telling the real story of entrepreneurship. So I flew to the US, decided to face my fear and go all out to build my million dollar business completely from scratch. But the real question is, how will I do it? Join me on my journey and find out as we build our online tribe and share the internet's top marketing secrets. My name is Jamie Atkinson and this is the Entrepreneur Junkie Movement. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Entrepreneur Junkie Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Atkinson, the Podcast Junkie. And guys, we've got a pretty, pretty lit guest today. And you guys know I always get pumped up for when the guests come on. But today, we have one of my good friends, Doug Bounton's personal mentor. And you guys know how much he's been killing it. But more than that, my guest today has made absolute waves in the last couple of years in the online space. He first hit to the marketplace as a Facebook groups guy. Now, as he's been evolving and as, as his business evolves, he's helping entrepreneurs go from six figures and transforming and helping them using business systems to grow their own tribe of buyers and hit seven figures and beyond. Please welcome my guest today, Andrew Cruzy. How you doing, Andrew? Woo, that was, that was an incredible introduction. Thank you so much, man. I, uh, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me here, man. Yeah, dude, that was cool. Usually I write out introductions and that one was completely on the fly. So I'm super glad. <laughs> and <laughs> we were just kind of riffing before we got on this interview. But first of all, thank you for coming on. I'm super grateful to have you here. Um, just from, from where I'm standing, just looking in the online space, and obviously I don't know you very well. We've only just started having a conversation before this podcast interview. But my immediate gut reaction from what I've seen online is that you seem to be a very, very authentic dude. So kudos for that kind of going out there in the world. And I think it's a lot about what other people say about you as much as it is about the way you present yourself. Um, so congratulations, because that's awesome to have that kind of reputation. But for people who are listening at home, and for people like, Andrew, who, like, Cruzy, like, what's going on? Can you give us like a little bit, like a one or a two minute just introduction, just to explain a little bit about you, Andrew, and how you kind of got into this space in the first place? For sure. Awesome. Um, I, uh, I'm relatively new. So I got into the online space about two years ago. Um, I quit my job, which was I was selling CRM systems, um, Salesforce, Microsoft Dynamics uh, in Chicago. And in September of, uh, of September of 2017, um, I quit my job, uh, quit drinking. And, wait, wait, wait. Uh, Andrew, what date? Yeah. September 2017. 
So I, uh, I quit my job September 1st um, and quit drinking and moved back into my parents' basement in Cleveland um, and started my own advertising agency. And when I say agency, I was essentially a freelancer. Um, and I ran Facebook ads into a little bit of email automation and sales funnels um, to get uh, local businesses more clients. And um, I had a couple of clients before I quit my job. And then when I actually took the leap of faith and quit, I opened up the space where I could actually just focus on the agency. Um, and there were bumps in the road. Uh, there were campaigns that failed. Uh, there were clients that uh, got pissed off from time to time. Um, but uh, in three months after quitting my job, uh, we got to, uh, when I say we, it was just me, uh, we, we got to uh, 10 to 15. Yeah, we were bouncing between 10 to 15K per month. Um, and that was incredible because I was only making about uh, $35,000 a year from, from my job. And now I'm at a six-figure run rate uh, with, uh, in, in three months. And it was absolutely mind-blowing. And then um, I opened up a Facebook group to help other agency owners um, uh, get their first few clients and, uh, and ran that. And that grew super quick. We went from zero to 1,000 people in the Facebook group um, in five weeks. And then from there, um, I released a program um, about uh, four months into opening up my Facebook group. Um, and I went from starting my Facebook group in November to February of 2018, having a $62,000 month between my agency and between uh, the, the programs that I was selling out my Facebook group. And I'm like, shit, we have something here. This is incredible. Um, and I paid off all my student loan debt that month. And uh, since then, my Facebook group has grown from zero to uh, over 13,000 people organically, no Facebook ads or anything like that going into it. Um, and uh, we've been able to uh, monetize the Facebook group to over a million dollars in the past 18 months. So it's, it's pretty insane from starting from zero, from just quitting job, not knowing what the hell I was doing, uh, to having a, a seven-figure business in uh, a little over two years. Well, dude, congratulations, because that's insane. That's a, an amazing story. And what, what I find really interesting, and, and I can kind of hear it in the way you're telling the story, but some people might not hear it, is it sounds like you were trying lots of different things to get to that kind of end result, right? So what was, what was some of the big hurdles that you came across in those first kind of first six months or so, because there's going to be, and the reason I ask is there's going to be a lot of people listening to this right now. And I, I really want to dig into what you're doing now with entrepreneurs, because we've got a lot of people in this audience who are six figure entrepreneurs who are looking to figure out how do they get past the 10 K a month mark? How do they scale up? But I'm curious in those first couple of months, what was some of the real big challenges that you faced as you, as you kind of dived in head first into this Facebook group and difference between service businesses and info products? What were those kind of challenges you faced, you think? Yeah, the biggest challenge was having my attention split. I had my attention split between servicing a Facebook group and uh, online entrepreneurs and servicing local businesses. And it was just me. And I was working probably 50, 60 hours a week 
to do essentially two businesses and it was just me and both businesses were making six figures a year and it was still just me and that drove me to burnout. Um, so fast forward about 10 months uh, into it and I burnt out. Uh, I had to basically quit doing everything and I just hung out on my friend's couch for like a whole month uh, in Miami, Florida. Um, and then I ended up going to a Buddhist monastery for seven days, trying to reconnect to myself and my purpose and my values and all that stuff. You've not been um, speaking and that was the best JR thing I ever did. Have you? you haven't been speaking to JR. Yeah. This no, JR, like, this sounds like JR, JR written all over it. <laughs> JR is the one that brought me. He knew I was going through all that. He was like, dude, come to the Buddhist monastery with me. I'm like, awesome. Let's do it. Um, so it was just, I didn't have a team. Like it was me doing everything and I didn't know how to build a team. And I feel like if I had known as soon as I hit that like six figure mark or even like $80,000 a year, I should have started first hiring an executive assistant and then do, uh, hiring what I call bottleneck hires. So the people like if, if you have an influx of leads, but you can't hop on that many sales calls, hire a sales guy. That's what I did uh, this past year. And we were able to double our revenue from high, I lucked out and got the most awesome sales guy in the world. Um, but we were able to double our revenue in two months because I wasn't able to service all the sales calls that we had um, and just hired sales guy. We were able to double our revenue. So start with an executive assistant where you can get, uh, uh, get uh, more time back um, and then bottleneck hires, um, either operations manager or, um, or somebody for delivery or somebody for sales. Um, I wish I had known that back then. So I didn't have to go to, to burnout. Um, it's really but, interesting. Uh, yeah. That was probably the biggest challenge. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, yeah. I kind of hear, I see a lot of people who are in this space who are getting burnt out and it, and it's interesting because most of us entrepreneurs don't think we can get to six figures. And then, and it's almost the same route, right? Everyone gets to six figures and then they try and do it all themselves and then they experience burnout. And, and it's a story that gets told time and time and time again. So do you, I mean, have you experienced, have you seen a lot of people who've gone through this burnout once they reach this level? Yeah, I, I, not as many went to the extreme that I went to with like literally giving up everything for months and going to a Buddhist monastery. But I see a lot of entrepreneurs between the six and seven figures that um, are like, uh, they operate at a lower level because they've been trying to do the same thing for so long. And they don't realize that if they have just like one or two hires to get tasks off their plate, that they open up the space to think at, like a business owner or a CEO because you have the space to really work on the strategy and the higher level vision if you just open that space up for yourself. And all you need to do is figure out how to hire and find A players. And there's an onboarding process and getting them up to speed usually takes one to two months. But once you're there, you open up so much space in your life where you can actually operate as a CEO instead of just a hustling entrepreneur. Why do you feel like most people let it get to that level? Why are people so reluctant 
to hire and to, and to go down that route? I think for me is I just didn't know. I, I didn't have the, the mentors that told me exactly what to do. Um, or, or they had some mentors that didn't point me in the right direction. Um, and also when you have a hire, you have money going out. And for me, it was awesome seeing $60,000 in profit come in through selling courses and selling online products. But it was for me working 40, 50, 60 hours a week. Right. Um, so the profit was sweet and I was like, had a lot of, like a lot of cash in the bank, but it was jeopardizing my mental health and my physical health from working so fucking hard. Um, and I think, I mean, seeing that money come in and not much of it going out is very enticing, but you're never going to scale past that 40 or 50 to $60,000 mark a month unless you have leverage in terms of a team um, working for you. It's really important. What was it that led you to changing the direction of the business? Because up until that point, you know, a lot of people who know you will know that the group was, you know, di digital marketing for entrepreneurs. It was all about group growth. It was really teaching people to walk the walk that you'd already walked. It's a lot mm -hmm. of walks in one sentence <laughs> you know, moved across. And, and it's interesting, I think, to look at, what you experienced with the burnout and then implementing your own systems. But what was the reason that you felt like you wanted to shift in your business? Um, we still help people grow their Facebook groups. That's the crux of the, the marketing system that, that we help people implement. Um, but the, the big issue in this space is so many people are teaching the marketing system, um, which is how you get leads, right? but they're not teaching the financial system. They're not teaching the HR system. They're not teaching the sales system, the fulfillment system, the operation system, all of these things that you need in a business um, and uh, that will help you not go to burnout because a lot of entrepreneurs are just um, uh, focused on every system in their business leading them to burnout and I want to prevent entrepreneurs from getting to the place that I went to last year where went through depression, went through adrenal fatigue, went through not wanting to do anything for months and months and months. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm, I'm kind of impressed about how focused you are on helping people deliver all the way through because a lot of people, a lot of coaches, they're really just focused on the front end, right? It's like, I'm going to teach you how to make the money. You can worry about fulfillment. But it's nice yeah. to see that you've got really a conscious way to approach this. You're really thinking about what's in your client's long-term best yeah. interests. Um, as you changed over to these new systems, were you evolving your existing customers or were you attracting a whole brand new market with what you were teaching? Yeah, it's not a immediate shift. Um, there is phasing out of some stuff and implementing new stuff. Um, but you attract what you say. Um, so my messaging started changing from build your Facebook group to build your seven figure business. And those two things attract very different people. Um, 
And we're starting to see the shift more and more and more to uh, our company being known as, hey, we'll help you get to seven figures instead of just Facebook groups, Facebook groups, Facebook groups. And it's so ingrained into people that I'm the Facebook groups guy, which is awesome. I love it. We're really good at teaching that. But that is only going to get you so far. It's a fantastic starting point. It's how I was able to get to $50,000 a month um, and really kick, kick off my career. Um, but ultimately, if you want a sustainable business that lasts, it starts with these systems. It starts with vision. It starts with your 10-year target. It starts with your three-year picture. It starts with your one-year uh, plan and uh, your, your quarterly rocks. Um, so, uh, yeah, there, I've, I've seen a shift, uh, in people that have been coming through the door. Um, and I believe that shift's only going to grow towards people that are hustling at six figures and want to get past seven figures. Is there any big mistakes that you made through this kind of transformation that you wish you'd picked up on like a little bit earlier? Probably the biggest thing, um, is... I wish we had as a team when we decided that we were going to shift would have sat down for a day and just focused on what's our, what's our messaging, what's our marketing strategy and what's our branding going to be. And I feel like if we would have done that, the transition would have been more seamless. Um, and we didn't really have a launch strategy to transition. Right. I think if we had done that, um, that would have been hugely beneficial uh, to, the, to the company. Why do you think it would have made such a difference? Less confusion in the marketplace, where there are still a lot of people that associate me with the, the Facebook groups guy, which is great, but I think there could have been a more seamless shift to uh, kind of changing the perception, right? Yeah, I'm with you. I totally get that. And I'm really interested just to, just to change the pace up a little bit. When you, we were just talking about, before we got on this interview, we were talking about the power of interviews, right? We were talking about how you can build these kind of intangible benefits that, that you can't really see on the front end value, but become super powerful on the back end. And you were talking to me about how, when you launched the Facebook group initially, you're doing a lot of interviews um, to basically bring people in and grow the network. What, what was that transformation like as you moved into the tribe of buyers approach? Were you still doing the same thing or were you spreading your message in different ways? Yeah. So we kept the same Facebook group. So we already had that audience in, in the Facebook group. But I think the, the power of interviews is that literally you're able to take somebody's audience and shift them into your platform. So for you, podcasts. Uh, for me, Facebook groups, right? And now you're owning that traffic that you can market to over and over and over without spending a dollar in ads, right? And in addition to that, you're also expanding your network. Um, and with their audience coming into your audience, you're growing your audience. And um, as Scott Olford would say, I got this from Scott, but there are three ty different types of currency. There's cash, there's audience, and there's network. And the audience in the network is invisible ROI. As you grow your audience, as you grow your network, money is going to come back to you at some point in time. You just don't see it when you're doing it right then and there, 
for tribe of buyers, we didn't really have that interview shift and influx in interviews. But when I first started my Facebook group, I was doing about two interviews per day or per day per week. And that got a lot of people into my Facebook group right away. It's really interesting. And, uh, as you, it almost feels like as you sustain and as you grow, I, I certainly have looked at what you do, Andrew, and, and everything you do kind of hinges on like a, you don't need ads, right? Like everything you do is self-funded, self-sustained, and you have this audience where you're, you know, churning people through and bringing people in without spending any ad dollars. What do you think has been like your favorite way for you to generate influx of customers or reputation, or it doesn't necessarily have to just be money, but what's been your favorite lever that you've pulled to kind of grow a certain element of your business? Hmm. I like that question. I think for an influx of new customers, it's come through referrals and affiliates. That's the easiest way uh, is when you can come from a place of credibility instead of a, a cold lead place, you're going to close a lot more clients. Um, in terms of uh, increasing uh, customer lifetime value, um, doing in-person events. They'll stay on longer and you're able to create those connections with those people at the events and explore if they're a good fit for your higher end programs or your consulting or whatever you do. And to get people onto your lists, into your audience, interviews have been awesome. Um, doing JVs has been awesome. Starting out, it was just manual hustle, 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 and sending uh, messages through Facebook Messenger to get people into the Facebook group. But once you get that momentum going, the Facebook group grows on its own, like organically, without having to spend a dollar in ads. And we get about uh, 25 to 50 people per day, right? And you can grow your Facebook group super quick once you have the momentum going and you have a lot of engagement in there and Facebook will literally feed you free leads. Um, so that's probably been my favorite way. Totally hands off free leads going into the Facebook group. Oh, I love that. I love that. Is there, is there any mistakes people make once they start to get momentum in their Facebook group and, and then they make a, like a common mistake and things start to go downhill? Yeah, uh, they, they stop. They stop posting. They think they run out of ideas, but really there's so many things that you can post in a Facebook group. It doesn't need to be just around that one thing. People want to learn about you too. So talk about your personal life, talk about yourself, and you can talk about whatever the mission of the Facebook group is. And if you're running out of ideas, let's say you're running a, a fitness Facebook group, helping people lose weight, um, you can ask them, hey, what do you want to learn about? What's the number one thing you want to learn around losing weight? Or what's the number one uh, pain point you have when you're losing weight? What's the number one goal you have when, uh, when it comes to losing weight? And then that will allow you to come up with ideas in terms of content that you can put inside of your Facebook group that resonates with your audience. Yeah, I really like that. That's kind of um, akin to like Ryan Lovask and the ask method, right? Like pulling out those elements of what is it your audience wants to know about so you can get them closer to being a, a buyer. I know Jeff Miller does a lot of that as well, which is super yep. awesome. You talked about events being a really great way to build up customer lifetime value. And I find that really interesting because there's a couple of things you've said so far in the interview, which have really been about long-term. So you mentioned about 10-year goals, which a lot of people are thinking about next week in the paycheck, right? 
And that's really interesting to me. So, and, and, I, and I selfishly want to know about events because we're running our own event in November, which is super exciting. Our first one we've done really, uh, for me, it's all about a break-even event. I want to do it for getting people there to give them that experience, to get everybody posting about how awesome it's going to be in Bali without really looking to make much money on it because shit's expensive, right? Like once you start to like hire out these places, it's like gets crazy. So I'm really interested to, to hear about from your experience, because you've run a couple of these events, and by the way, I've heard great things about your events, so you're doing something awesome. I'd love to hear about what the kind of thought process is behind the events, and what things you prioritize to make it as powerful as possible for your lifetime value of your customers. Yeah, um, I love that question, and I can't wait for your event in Bali. Give me the dates, I might be out there. Uh, oh, that would be awesome. That's exciting. Bali. Um, but, uh, the most powerful thing we do is how we structure the event. Um, there are different ways that you can, uh, different ways this can be articulated. Um, but this has kind of come through my own methodology of running five masterminds thus far each quarter. Um, but what we do is the, the first day is all about transformation and connecting people to their vision and what they want out of their life, their goals, their values, all of that. Um, so day one is all about transformation. Day two is about information, information and strategy. So giving you the tools, the skill sets you need to get to your vision. Uh, for us, particularly, it's with business. So here are the marketing tools, the sales tools, the offer creation tools to get to where you want to go in terms of the type of business that you're running, how many hours that you want to work in your business and how much money you want to make out of your business. Cause we're building your, your <clears throat> business around your life and not the other way around. Um, and then day three is uh, implementation. So I think that's one thing that totally differentiates our events from other events is we always have an implementation day. We don't, like wear you down until you want to buy something from us and not give you like the goods. We give you the fucking goods. Like people, uh, we had Andrew Sartori uh, close $12,000 in deals on the last day. Um, we had uh, Abby Walla launch her first program and do $5,000 right after the event. We had Danny, uh, Danny Tran do $10,000 at the event. And that's the power of implementing with my team that are sales and marketing experts and offer creation experts. But we have those three days, transformation, information, and implementation. And uh, we also do breath work at all of our events. Um, so there's an emotional component too, getting connected to yourself um, because that allows you to open up and fully be present and consume the information on day two the way that you need to. You're not stifled you kind of, you're more present. So I think that's the big differentiator for our event, that structure, breath work, and connection. We do a lot of partner activities, um, which can be intimidating, but if you start it on day one, people get into the flow of it and they're looking forward to it on day two and day three. Yeah, so that's how we uh, structure our events. And uh, then we always have an offer at the event. Um, it's not a hard close offer. It's not like you need to do this now. It's, hey, you can join us. This is the offer. 
Um, and uh, if you want to talk to somebody, talk to Brad or talk to Grant, um, and we'll see if it's a good fit for both of us. Um, so it's really no pressure at any of the events. Um, and at my last two masterminds, we did a uh, little over uh, uh, six figures at both our, our last two masterminds. We did $165,000 at our last mastermind um, because we produce awesome freaking results. And we just put up an offer and say, hey, do you want this? Talk to us. Um, and uh, we get sales, which is awesome. You get transformation there, get sales there. It's, uh, it's a win-win-win all around. I really like that because there's a couple of elements there which which we were already thinking about for our event. Because it's Bali, man, you got to do breath work in Bali, right? Like, that's <laughs> right. All about. But I'm, I was really interested to hear that you said that you had a specific day for implementation, and also I think it's testament to you that it was kind of a soft pitch because I feel like you're a great marketer and you do these amazing offers, but I feel like people when they see you, they kind of know, and it, and it doesn't need to be a hard pitch because it's like, hey we trust you, you trust us, this is what it is, and we're not gonna try and force you to make a decision. We, if it's here, if you want it, and we'll try and help you if it is, but if not, that's totally okay too. And I really mm -hmm. like that, because it's a very conscious approach to selling, very heart-centered, which, which really resonates a lot with me, and probably resonates mm -hmm. with a lot of the people who end up buying. Well, definitely did, right? Like, they love that. So mm -hmm. is there a reason that you decided to do just specific days for implementing, and didn't do like sessions throughout. So where you, you know, maybe do a bit of teaching and then you do some implementation as you work through. Cause I've seen some events that have done it that way. And I'm curious to know why you chose to do it this way instead. Um, I think when you break it down into, it's very clear and succinct what we're doing on these days, you get into the flow. Like that's why uh, blocking off your time is so important is because you're not bouncing between activities, right? You can get into the flow of connecting to your vision, your values, your purpose. And that's how our brains work. Our brains want to stay on the same activity. And when we keep pushing on that same activity, we get into a flow state. We get into this place where it's just, I know exactly what I'm doing. It feels like it's coming from outside of me or deeply within me. And you can't get there if you're bouncing between activities and your attention is going all over the place. So that's why we focus on um, transformation the first day with vision, information the second day, and then implementation on the third day. I think that's really smart. For any podcast listeners, Andrew's doing this great flow movement with his hand and you can, <laughs> you can really tell he's into this stuff, which I like. So I'm, I'm really impressed by everything that you're saying here, Andrew. And what I love is the fact that you're taking something at its core, which people sometimes shy away from, right? Systems and things you need to build, but you focus it around the, the bigger ideas with the transformation. Um, what's, what do you think is some of your challenges as you grow your business, like looking forward to the next year? What are some of the big challenges you think you, you guys are going to come up against as you continue to grow and push your, you know, bigger vision of what you want to try and achieve? Um, I'm so blessed and so lucky to have so many, have to have built up so many resources at my disposal, mentors that I can talk to. And I'm never really worried about like, Oh, what if this doesn't work? Cause there have been so many things that haven't worked, but I have that vision. I have that, those goals that like, I'm going to try shit. I'm going to fail at some shit, but I know I'm going to hit my goal. I'm going to be persistent. I'm going to get it in. Um, one of my favorite quotes is you're only limited by your ability to ask an effective question. So like I have these resources at my disposal, 
I just need to ask the right questions to the right people. Um, and I'll be able to get to where I want to go. Um, so I'm not worried about things that are going to, that are going to come at me because I've devoted this year to frameworks and internal growth. I want to internally grow as much as possible in all areas of life, faith, family, fitness, and finances. Um, and I, um, I also devoted it to frameworks where I want to learn as many frameworks as possible because um, when you do, things become a lot easier for you. Um, that's why I have 25 books under my desk because if you just go to a book on, let's say, uh, sales, and then you look at the chapters for that book, the chapters are the framework most of the time. It's usually like... This is how you open. This is how you create the gap. This is how you uh, close and overcome objections. It's books are literally walking you through a framework. That's why I buy so many fucking books. And it's not my intent to read the entire book. It's my intent to extract as many frameworks from that book as possible and turn them into notes and put it into my Google Drive. So whenever I need to source how to become a better salesperson or how to become a better marketer or copywriter or uh, better at offer creation, I can go to those notes and just use those frameworks to create a new offer, to change the way that I sell, to change the way that I market. And it's all right there for me. Um, I forget what your question was, uh, but <laughs> that <laughs> kind of went off on a tangent there. Yeah, dude, but uh, I find that really interesting because I was, I was talking with a, a friend of mine the other day and she's an entrepreneur and, and it was actually on her podcast that we were talking and, and she's a, a Reiki master, right? A, a sensei, which is cool. And we were talking a lot about how in business, it's so much about personal growth. And, and recently I've been exploring more about personal growth, really like going deep into myself and, and things like therapy and, and really trying to understand about why I make decisions the way I make them. And it's really interesting. And Caleb Maddox at a recent event I was at said that in, in business, you don't have business problems. You have personal problems that manifest in your business. And I thought that was really yeah. interesting. And, it, and it's interesting to hear that you've dedicated so much time to work on yourself because that's where you see massive growth in your business, right? It's once you've got those frameworks and systems to support you, and then you focus on what's important inside that you then start to really take action and, and get shit done in the way that means it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for that, man. Um, one thing I want to add to that too, that kind of transformed my thinking um, was uh, Eli Wild um, was talking about um, his different types of closes um, and one close that rang true and that's a really good close is so I have a goal of having an eight figure company, right? The only thing that's holding me back from that eight figure company is the skill sets and knowing the right people and having that audience. And the only thing that's holding me back from that is learning those things and acquiring those things. So if there is a program or a mentor or a person out there that can help you achieve that, like the, uh, the, the gap in how much money that you're put leaving on the table by not hiring that mentor or, uh, or that program is astronomical because it's actually, those are the exact skills that you need 
to accomplish your eight figure goal or your seven figure goal or whatever it is. Yeah. Right. It's like you're losing that much money every day by not hiring that person to learn that skill set. Myron exactly. Golden talks about this all the time. Like the biggest, biggest expense you have is not knowing how to make a million dollars a year. Yes. Oh, that's good. expensive taxes, right? That's like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, he starts with a second. He's like the second biggest expense you've got is taxes. And that's 51%. And he's like, so what's the biggest expense? And then he's like, not making a million dollars every year, which is right. <laughs> though, because I, you know, I've personally found a lot of growth this year from putting myself outside of my comfort zone, but really by taking hold of a mentor and following <laughs> what that mentor said. And when I did that and I put myself in that painful position, we had huge growth, like ridiculous mm -hmm. from where we were at. And, and mm -hmm. now I'm in a mindset of exactly like you said, who can I go to that's going to help me to grow in the areas that I need to grow? But it's, yeah. it's something that a lot of people struggle with is to understand how investing in a person and paying them so much money can help you grow. I mean, what, what would you say if you were to look at a lot of the people who come to you what do you find are like some of the biggest stumbling blocks that stop people from progressing? Like what's the big things that stop them from taking action, from scaling their company? Cause you've no doubt had a lot of experience with people who've been growing from, you know, five figure months to six figure and, and beyond. Yeah. Um, it's their own mental bullshit. It's their own bullshit. That's what it comes down to. And when you can hire a coach or you can hire a mentor to stand for you, and say that's not truth like in our onboarding call like these are your goals this is what you're stand you stand for these are your values you're not doing that right now let's get you back on track um so i think the biggest thing holding people back is just themselves and if you can hire somebody or just find somebody that can hold you accountable that is uh, like 10 stages ahead of you that's what you should do um, because that is the biggest return on investment that you can get when somebody is calling out your own bullshit and they know the direction that you need to go. Yeah, they've walked the path. They've got the framework. And really the only thing between them and you is the personal stuff that gets in the way, right? Exactly. Yeah. No, I love that. Well, I'm, dude, I'm super pumped because your event sounds sick and you've got an event coming up soon, right? So that's going to be, when did you say it was going to be in October? Yeah, Tribe of Buyers Live, October 18th through the 20th in beautiful San Diego, California. Um, it's We have 135 tickets sold right now. Uh, we're in September. We're going to have 200 tickets. So we have 65 tickets left um, for Tribe Buyers Live, um, and we're going through that process. Uh, so transformation, uh, information, and implementation, um, and it's going to transform so many lives and businesses there. Um, it's our first 200 person event. Um, we do 20 person setting, but every time it produces massive freaking results. So I'm st so stoked for it. And I, I can vouch for that as well, because I have a lot of personal friends who've been to those events and have said to me, you know, dude, it was transformational. Like the whole experience and being around those people but more than anything, I think the way that you structure it and frame it is what really gives people a lot out of it. And I don't know all the details. You know, if people want to find out, really, you got to go. But honestly, the, the way that people describe that experience is very interesting because as entrepreneurs, we're event junkies. We go to these things all day, you know, all over the world. We do it all the time. And it was just interesting to me about how people describe that experience 
as being different to anything they'd experienced before. So anyway, mm. Andrew, I'm super excited about that event. Um, just before we wrap up this interview, I just wanted to give you a chance to talk about um, anything else that we haven't really covered. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you would really like to share? I know we've been through Facebook, we've been through events, we've been through systems and personal growth. Is there anything else that you wanted to kind of chat about just before we finish the interview? The thing that pops out to me is creating your own personal values and your own business values. Um, I think that's one thing that transformed my trajectory um, in terms of personal and business. Uh, like we were saying, I went to a Buddhist monastery for seven days and right before that, I read um, The Values Factor by Dr. Martini and kind of learned a framework to create values, right? Um, totally transformed my life. Um, and the book was good, but I put a little twist on it where when I was um, at Deer Park Monastery, I thought, when was I happiest in my life? Because like I got swept up in entrepreneurship and just grind, 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 hustle, 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 change the world, all that stuff. And I didn't reflect back to what was truly making me happy until this moment or what makes me happy until this moment. I was like, when am I truly happy? When was I truly happiest in life? And I went back to high school and when I was 18 years old, had an amazing girlfriend, had an awesome group of friends that just wanted to do hood rat stuff. Um, I was uh, playing a lot of pickup sports and I realized I don't have an amazing girlfriend right now at that point. I don't have like that fun group of friends where we can do anything and I'm not playing any pickup sports. I'm not going to the gym playing basketball or playing soccer like I used to. And I was like, holy shit, why am I not doing that? So I identified those as my top values. It doesn't need to be love. It doesn't need to be uh, honesty or integrity. It can literally be uh, a loving relationship, community of friends, and my third value is pick up sports. So I identified those as my top three values and I put those into my life. So I wrote down everything that I love in a girl and literally the next month that girl showed up. Like totally random, I didn't think about it until like two months into our relationship. I'm like, holy shit, you were everything that I wrote down at the Buddhist monastery. Um, and then yeah, that is uh, a line found- to get him to say yes to the second date, right? You were everything <laughs> in the Buddhist monastery. Look, look, look at this journal that I totally didn't write uh, in in the bathroom. Um, <laughs> but uh, then I moved out to San Diego, found an awesome group of friends uh, where we just do hood rat stuff together. Um, and then I go to LA Fitness and play pickup basketball four times a week. Um, and my happiness and my productivity has shot through the roof. And I think it's super important for people to identify what truly makes them happy and what their values are to really live a fulfilled and happy life. Um, And this shit should be taught in schools um, because it's so transformational. um, And it's what, what businesses do as well. Every business has their values, three to seven values that their employees live through. Now your values isn't going to be a loving relationship uh, in, um, in a business, but one of our values is uh, everybody an entrepreneur. I love autonomy. I love people just doing what they believe is right and living through the rest of the values and um, taking responsibility 
for their role in the company. So everybody in entrepreneur is one of our values. Like you make the decisions for your role in the company. Um, another one is radical responsibility where I want everybody to be responsible. The more responsibility I take on and uh, I attribute my actions to, um, the more happiness I get out of life. I stop deflecting and stop being a victim when I take on responsibility. Like if the, the uh, finance department is fucking up, that's on me. If uh, my executive assistant is fucking up, that's on me, that's not on her. So radical responsibility. But create these values, create these values for your personal life and your business, um, and then you just live through this lens that is more pure and really who you are instead of just getting distracted all the time being a human being, right? So I wanna leave everybody on the note of uh, create your values. That was really powerful. So, and just to get that book again, you said it was the Values Factor book. Who was it by? Dr. Demartini, um, The Values Factor, yeah. With a twist, the, the special Andrew Cruzy twist of focusing on when were you happiest in your life and looking at it through that lens, right? Yeah. Dude, that, that was awesome. I love that. And this has been a super fun interview. Really appreciate you being on as a guest. I think you've dropped a ton of V-bombs, value bombs all over this place, which is super awesome. So thank you so much for being on the show. And Andrew, once again, if people want to find out more about you, if they want to find out about the event that we're running in October, you're running, not we're running, uh, the event you're running, <laughs> find out. Any, yeah. yeah, right. I'll just turn up like in the background, like, wait, what's up? Um, <laughs> out more information, find out more about tribe of buyers and find out more about the event as well. Yeah. Uh, come to the event. It will totally transform your life and business. Uh, it's totally up to you if you want to make that decision and buy the ticket and come, but it will transform your life and your business. Uh, you can go to www.tribeofbuyerslive.com. And for your audience, instead of the ticket being a thousand dollars, uh, we will take $700 off the ticket price if you put in TRIBE297 at checkout. That's TRIBE, all capital, T-R-I-B-E, 297. Put that in at checkout. We'll take $700 off the ticket just for you, Jamie. And, um, and if you want to learn more about me, business, whatever, uh, hit me up on Facebook. Tell me what your number one takeaway was from this podcast. We'll jam out. We'll have fun. Uh, and you can find me on Facebook at Andrew Cruzy. Last name is K-R-O-E-Z-E, -E, Andrew Cruzy uh, on Facebook. Friend me, send me a message, and we'll jam out. Dude, well, thank you so much for giving that huge discount, guys. You've got no excuse not to go now. So literally head on down. We're going to put the link in the show notes as well. Andrew, thanks so much for being an amazing guest. Super thrilled to actually get to speak to you uh, and to start this relationship. I think it's fantastic. And yeah, hopefully I'll see you in Bali. That'll be super fun. So <laughs> look at me over the gates. Yeah, I'll hook you up with it. Let's go. So thanks so much for being on the interview. And for any of you guys who are listening at home, I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you haven't left a rating or review, drop a big takeaway of what you enjoyed from Andrew on this episode today in the review. Super awesome for our guests to see that feedback in there as well. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thanks a lot. Cool. Thanks, Jamie. Hey everyone, I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. 
One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high-ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.